Thank you for downloading this episode of the 155 Podcast, the public records interview series of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. For more election coverage, visit thepublicrecord.ca where you can sign up for our City Hall newsletter. Episode 81, Laura Farr, running for City Councilor in Ward 3, recorded on September 19th, 2018. Laura Farr, you're running for City Councilor in Ward 3. Welcome to the Public Records, the 155 podcast. Thank you for having me, Joey. Firstly, tell us, who is Laura Farr? Who is Laura Farr? Well, I have been a lot of things. I've been a dancer and an actress uh, across the city, born and raised here in Hamilton, living in Ward 3 and then the East End, and uh, went to high school in the mountain and then moved downtown, residing in Ward 3 currently, but I know you've got some other questions around that coming up. Worked at City Hall for the last 10 years for all of the elected officials, minus Terry Whitehead on, on, uh, as a weird one that I've, I've never worked for. And most recently, uh, the last three and a half years in the mayor's office, so currently on leave to uh, run for office. So I've done a lot of community work as well, working for various organizations and companies across the city, including uh, Urbanicity, the YMCA, the City of Hamilton Recreation. There are so many different things that I've done over my career, and I've kept coming back to, to working at City Hall for our elected officials. Why are you running? I'm running because I see in my community a real need to be heard and for the issues to come forward and for people to give space for those that want to have a voice and for those that need to be heard and be advocated for, as well as the issues municipally that I see that aren't getting done in my neighborhood. So things like having safer streets, community policing, we've heard a lot about that, as well as, as the overall issues that I think they face every word within garbage and bylaw and, and all of those things. So I have a unique position having had worked for the majority of the councillors uh, to see something from a different perspective. Do you live in Ward 3, yes or no? Yes, I live in Ward 3. Does it matter if one lives in the community one seeks to represent? I think it really does matter if you live in the community you seek to represent because while some might argue it gives you a perspective outside when you are living outside, it doesn't give you the real day-to-day feeling of what's going on in the community or with your neighbors or what you yourself could even be experiencing in the community, trying to access city services or addressing things that aren't working. How have you contributed to your community and our city? I've been a contributor to my community since I bought my house about seven years ago in 2001. I've been involved with the Neighborhood Association and the community planning team, the Gibson Lansdale Community Planning Team also been the publisher and editor of the Gala Herald. I'm a Rotarian for the Rotary of Hamilton Club, which is also involved with Ryan Ellis's foundation, LA for Kids, which helps get playgrounds placed in our city parks. So we've done three parks actually in Ward 3. The most recent one is at Woodlands Park, very close to my house. My son loves the new playground structure, and it's great to see that park being utilized again. What are your two priorities for Ward 3 and two priorities for Hamilton as a whole? So one of the the biggest priorities for Ward 3 is addressing the community safety aspect and having police response and bylaw response, uh, which is kind of a a two-pronged, but two separate issues, two different departments there. And two for the city is to continue good work in the promotion of the city as a whole in terms of economic development and attracting good-paying jobs while still addressing the skills gap. So when So we know that employers say they can't find good employees, and we know people say they can't find good-paying jobs. So there is a gap there, and there is a working group with Workforce Planning Hamilton and the Chamber and Mohawk College, McMaster, all of the other colleges, and various other stakeholders and industries across the city, including ECDEV and the politicians, elected officials, that are working on why that gap exists and why is it this exists. It's not unique to Hamilton, but it's interesting in that 
the work that's been done so far is kind of putting us uh, Hamilton ahead. So I think it's a real priority to highlight that and to keep attracting great businesses and at the same time helping small businesses locate and open their businesses and helping them. That's something I've done at City Hall for a long time is helping them to open they would call it reducing red tape, but really what it is is you ask staff members to all get in the same room and figure out how to help the person trying to open their business. What are three skills you will bring to elected office that makes you the best choice to represent Hamiltonians on city council? So three skills I bring that would make me the best candidate is my ability to communicate and work within the current structures at City Hall. So not very many people know how to navigate City Hall. And I've been there for 10 years. I have those relationships already with staff, and I know how to talk to people at other levels of government as well. That's a very unique skill. In addition to communication, I also have a network really across the whole city of people that from various jobs and various other things, community organizations I've been a part of, and you you sort of see that play out on Facebook where someone has a need, and you see this mostly in the Neighborhood Action Strategy hubs now where we are cross-connecting and we're, we're talking about things and discovering that, you know, it's not our neighborhood versus another neighborhood, so it's it's a real snapshot of residents that are saying certain things and my ability to understand what they're saying, but then also understand what staff are saying on the bureaucratic side and translate for both sides has been beneficial for a lot of different projects for for getting things accomplished. Finally, I have always had a, a passion and real energy and desire and drive to help people and residents when they have an issue, whether it's the garbage didn't get picked up or something complicated, like, you know, they want to build something crazy. So that's what I bring to the table. Ward 3 includes areas within the downtown Hamilton Secondary Plan, the BIAs of Barton and Ottawa, the transit-oriented corridors of King Street and Main Street, and numerous large parcels of urban land in other areas of the ward. As Ward 3 Councilor, you will need to decide upon planning applications of various heights, sizes, densities, and uses. You will need to balance numerous competing interests and goals in deciding upon these applications. What will be your process for evaluating development applications, and how will you manage different interests in Ward 3? The process that I would approach that with is is something comprehensive. So you want to meet with the proponent and hear their pitch to what they're trying to do and whether or not they're actually funded. As we know, uh, we've experienced over the years some that come in that have grandiose ideas but don't have any way to fund them and get them done. And then you also need to speak to the community stakeholders as well as service providers and then you would also need to listen to the residents and be a little less reactive. So when I, what I mean by that is instead of just responding to emails, tweets, Facebook tags coming in on a subject, go out and actually engage the residents and ask them, the people that live in the area, not just the 100 meters that a planning application would, you know, say is their checkmark that that's how, how many people you have to engage, but to go further and hold those community meetings and tell them what's going on, communicate those things, and then say, you know, what do you think? And then really listen to their feedback because it ultimately impacts the people that live in the neighborhood immediately. Hamilton has a rental housing affordability problem. Ward 3 has seen a significant and marked decrease in affordability during the past decade. How will you address housing affordability in Ward 3 and across Hamilton? The interesting thing about affordable housing is we know that the province, uh, the previous provincial government, had sort of allowed municipalities to use the tool of saying on a development for, say, a condo, you can have a percentage of affordable housing or pay money in lieu. Now, I know developers don't like that idea. They don't want to be told how much affordable housing they have to include in a building that they want to build for profit. Uh, but it would uh, definitely behoove us to help catch up on the, the backlog of nearly, what is it, 6,500 people on the waiting list right now? 
to do that. And then also working with partners that are good faith actors like Kiwanis and the Good Shepherd and Indwell, who's really turning um, the affordable housing model on its head. But at the same time, we need to also look at really comprehensively things like Airbnb and what the proposed rental licensing is going to do, which is really to drive people that we need to help keep our neighbors housed and to help the most vulnerable uh, in our area. And as we know in Ward 3, we do have the largest population. It is the largest amount of poverty in the ward, and people are being priced out of where they live. And where do they go? There's nowhere left for them to go. So we need to make sure that we're addressing those in a really comprehensive way and maybe looking at Toronto, a model like RentSafe, to have your unit be a $10 licensing fee, and then you know that that's a good property standards city-approved rental unit and we could even look at other things, too, that are maybe, I think, the majority of council, because I know them, would, uh, would kind of balk at it at first. But looking at incentivizing property owners that keep their units below market rent with a percentage off their property tax bills, that would be very helpful and would strain our social safety net and our social programs a lot less if people are housed. What are two changes you will propose to improve city services? The very first one that comes to mind to change about city services is our waste collection policy. Since we've moved to the one bag limit, so one garbage bag per week, we've seen year over year more dumping all over the city. And residents have stepped in with you know, programs like Beautiful Alleys and you know, Clean Up the Tracks and, and things like that. I can tell you back in April, we picked up six tons of garbage between Wentworth and Wellington on the CN tracks. And we have another cleanup coming up at the end of September. And it, it doesn't look like we did anything this spring. So that is definitely something also in tandem with our waste diversion policies that we need to look at as our, our landfills come to the end of their lifespan. We've been talking about open data and transparency for a long time. We have a lot of people who are really great at using this data, you know, residents that do these things that are, you know, really engaged, concerned citizens. Uh, we should be definitely more open to letting people use publicly available data and ensuring that our employees, that city employees know that it is not, you know, I always say it's the closed wall of people that say they work for the corporation, the city of Hamilton. And no, we work for the citizens. Their taxes pay our salaries. So you need to be open to that. And that's a shift that needs to happen. What are two changes you will propose to improve quality of life in Hamilton? Changes to improve quality of life to me seems like a really complex question. In terms of city services, things that a municipal councillor could do and should do. I think that industries looking to locate here, such as Stelco reopening, which is a great thing, do need to modernize so that our air quality is better, not worse. So that's something certainly that is concerning. We know the Spectator did their series on cancer incomes. My, my grandmother just passed away of lung cancer. I think we've all known someone at this point in our lives that has, uh, has had an aggressive form of cancer because they grew up in an air shed that was not great. So I think we have a duty to ensure that you know, future generations don't go through that. And the second thing I think that really would improve quality of life is ensuring that all modes of transportation, whether you're in a car or you take the bus or you're in a bicycle, are safe. So the roads are safe, the buses are safe, transit makes sense to get around at night or during the day, and that people can get around the city with how they want to get around without all the, the accidents and crashes that we have, because frankly, it's not working right now, and the collision rate is unacceptable. Hamilton City Council decided against ranked balloting. Ranked balloting enables voters to choose by prioritizing candidates, such as the top three. They feel qualified for public office and best able to represent them. What is your position on ranked ballots? I support ranked balloting for a lot of reasons. We've seen in just the last three years what First Past the Post does and can do, and it gives some people with the minority 
of, of really the people that have voted all of the power, and that's not how democracy is supposed to work. How will you improve civic governance and engagement during the next four years? Civic governance and engagement of residents is something that should not just be paid lip service to. It is a time-consuming thing when you go and ask people what they think because, you know, 100 people will have 100 different opinions. You need to really take their feedback in a genuine way and listen to them because I just, I remember when I started at City Hall, uh, the counselors I was working for, it was Brian McCaddy who said, well, you know, if you don't respond to someone and you, you don't listen to them genuinely, then you disenfranchise them. And that's when people stop voting. And it's not about getting back into office. You need to know what they're saying so that you can actually tailor what you're doing within committee work and, and what you're voting on so that it works for everyone so that you don't have, you know, the big, oh, my gosh, they did this. And then it's a big news story. And then council has to walk by. It just takes so much more time. But if you put the time in in the beginning and you listen in a really fulsome way, you get so much more out of it. And that is, is definitely something that I've, I've done already from the inside. But I would, I would continue to do and engage people in a proactive manner as opposed to being reactive when things blow up. There's nothing like running from fire to fire. We don't need to do that. How will the City of Hamilton's strategic plan guide your decision-making in hiring a new city manager, and what qualities do you seek in a new city manager? The new city manager needs to be someone who is forward-thinking enough, but still doesn't necessarily have to be internal, but has to understand the institutional knowledge of what's gone on before and what hasn't worked. Because there are a lot of times, I've certainly felt as a staff member, that we kind of spin our wheels and come back to the same thing over and over again. And, you know, we've had our progresses, which are great, but there are so many other things that are very easy to do that don't cost taxpayers any money, and we don't do them. And it's, it's almost up to the, the individual counselor to sort of bring it up, or within the leadership team where they work backwards from a conclusion that they want council to vote for. And so the leadership I'm looking for would be someone that would say, you know what, we're on this upward progression in terms of our profile, in terms of, you know, the good feelings people have about Hamilton. Let's really push forward and make policies and guide our staff to do the same. Politics is the art of allocating limited resources and compromising to find solutions. How will you do so? That is, that's a great question. And I don't mean that in a political sense, like, oh, that's a great question. Thank you for the question. I think that in recent years, we've seen kind of a dichotomy where we've had year over year of a billion dollars worth of building permits, but then at the same time addressing our infrastructure backlog, the continued every year, the police budget increase from the year before. So the challenge is there. I mean, two years ago, we were laying staff off, and this year, coming into the election year, spend, spend, spend. So I think that the compromises come from really prioritizing things. What's Sam Morello's thing about the tiki bar? Like you. You want to make sure you take care of the, the have to be fixed and the, the needs as opposed to the wants. So you make sure the plumbing is all good and then you put up the, de the decorations. So I think we have to, as much as we, we like to have the tiki bar and the decorations on the bar, we need to make sure that the plumbing for the bar is good first, to use that analogy. You could use the same thing for a road, right? But I think that that's really what it, it has to come back to is, you know, what are the needs? What are the things that need to be done first in that prioritizing? And it shouldn't be one or the other. And it shouldn't, again, go to go back to neighborhoods. It's not one neighborhood over the other. You know, we certainly saw that a few years ago when we were advocating for J.C. Beamer to get a new playground. Our neighborhood association was, and they actually had had parks at the time, thought, oh, well, we're going to go replace this other playground. I can't even remember where in the city it was, but it was only 10 years old. And the one at Beamer was 32 years old. So then they thought, oh, wait, maybe we should have a spreadsheet of how old all the playgrounds are so we can replace them in order 
of need. So I think that you look at things in, in sort of that linear data fashion, but then also taking into account things in emergencies as they arise. It's 2022. The public record is writing a review of the four-year council term that is just ending. What three words do you hope we will use to describe your term on council? And what three words do you hope will describe council as a whole? Three words I would hope in 2022 that the public record is using to describe me and my term on council would be responsive, genuine, and I'll leave it at two. And for council, it would be functional, leaders, and cohesive. Thank you. That's the end of the prepared questions you were sent in advance. Do you have any closing remarks that you wish to share? In closing, I want to say thank you, Joey, for the interview and the opportunity and making sure that people have the ability to be informed about the candidates across the city, as many places don't have debates. And also that if we want to look in our community about electing someone that's going to get the job done, that's going to know what they're doing and represent us in a fulsome way and be listening, then I would really hope to count on people's votes for that. Thank you for joining us. I wish to thank the Hamilton Public Library Central Branch for the use of their sound studio where we recorded this podcast. This has been episode 81 of the Public Records, the 155 podcast. The Public Record is Hamilton's local, independent, reader-funded news outlet. This podcast is made possible by members of the Public Records Press Club. Visit thepublicrecord.ca to learn more and listen to all episodes of the 155 podcast. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed. The Public Record is a member of the National News Media Council, a voluntary self-regulatory organization that deals with journalistic practices and ethical behavior. To learn more about the Media Council, visit the Media Council at mediacouncil.ca. Thank you for listening. See you at the polls on October 22nd.